Thank you for releasing me. Welcome to Games We Grew Up With, a podcast that relies on nostalgia and a geeky sensibility. Each episode, we'll talk about one of the video games that left an impression on us as kids, put on some rose-tinted glasses and reminisce about it, then replay the game and see how it's held up over the years. This episode, we'll be dash-jumping into the past of talking about Spyro the Dragon for PlayStation 1. I'm Chris. And I'm Katie. We're ready to go, so let's kick it off. Let's do it. So, hey, we're actually getting to Spyro now. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Just an episode late. That's fine. It's totally I did fine. end up buying the game again. So. <laughs> I mean, it's no Echo the Dolphin. How, how many times did you push that? That one? is true. It is no Echo the Dolphin. Yes, but no one knew we pushed Echo the Dolphin <laughs> back. <laughs> now they know. I gave away all your all of our secrets on to Spyro. But before we get into the meat of the episode, we're going to talk a couple of things first. First of all, reviews. We're really bad about asking for reviews for the podcast, and we're really bad at checking them, apparently, too. Really, though, we've gotten a couple of reviews recently. We really appreciate it. It's awesome to hear what you guys think of the podcast and have your thoughts on it. So any reviews you guys have, we'd love to hear from them. So thank you very much to everyone who's reviewed us thus far, and we hope we hear from more of you soon. We obviously could not do this without you guys, so we love hearing your feedback. Good or bad, preferably good, but we'll take constructive criticism. We have fragile egos, be gentle. <laughs> Other news going on, producer Kyle has started playing the Final Fantasy IV Pixel Remaster. It's actually really interesting how much easier it is, it, how what, what they've smoothed out, I should say. So it's things like, because he's playing it on his phone, so uh -huh. navigating, he literally can point at any point in the map and the character will automatically walk there through the most oh, optimal path weird. which is so weird but so it, it's both helpful but also like if there's a chest and you're not sure how to get to that chest but you can see it if you click it the character will find the way yeah that's a little cheeky uh and also it has the, of course the autoplay functions everything so right now he's grinding uh and it's so much easier for him to grind it i'm very jealous but it looks like the old school oh, game yeah. which is fun it's not the creepy 3d characters no although again i wish i had stuck with that because all of the little quality of life improvements that they threw in there yeah no. nice and that that's why the pixel remaster have. seems to have a lot of those quality of life improvements which is really nice so check it out if you guys are interested it it seems to be going well for him he's enjoying it it's funny they have a classic view which it looks like it adds crt uh crt tv lines uh, to the screen which is hilarious that's a bit much <laughs> <laughs> but it's good fun you know we love our final fantasy games here so check it out if you haven't had a chance to and you want to play some of those older games yep now that we've got all that out of the way, it's time for our video game trope of the day. Trope of the day! So the trope of the day for this episode is the camera is an hole. I mean, the camera is a piece of I mean, the camera is another one of your enemies. <laughs> we'll go with that. 
Yeah, definitely. Let's go with that. <laughs> let's let's go with that one. So, Katie, what can you tell us about the camera is your enemy? So this is when in games, in particular platforms seem to be notorious for this, where the camera seems to cause you just as many issues as actual enemies do in the game, where you're trying to line it up behind you or you can't see or it puts you in that weird angle where you're looking through a wall so you see nothing. Mm -hmm. It's when you have accidentally walked off the edge of a platform because the camera didn't show you it was the edge of the platform. Yeah. Or got hit by enemies you didn't know were there. All of that, where you are fighting the camera as much as you are fighting any of the enemies on the screen. And as you said, obviously it's in platformers most of the time. Really in a lot of third-person games early on yeah. in in 3D-ness in general. When they were trying to learn how to do cameras for 3D games. Yeah. It, did, it did go beyond that, but it, it's definitely, that's where it seems to be the worst offenders. So, some examples uh, that we've already covered, of course, in the Jack and Daxter series in total, but in particular Jack and Daxter, it happened quite a few times where the camera would try to center and you'd suddenly be looking through, like, a building instead of (laughs) seeing actually what Jack is seeing. That happened a lot. And especially in those platforming sections where they didn't let you control the camera at all. There were those couple of times where you had the forced angle and it was awful. Mm. Yeah, it was, that was rough. Leads to a lot of blind jumps, stuff like that. Again, this is often when you don't... The passive camera, this is when it happens. When you don't have control. When you're allowed to move the camera yourself, this doesn't happen as often. This is when you don't have control of your camera as much or the game tries to overrule your control of the camera. Um, This happened a couple times in Mario 64, I remember it happening, like trying to line up those really particular jumps and you just can't line the camera up. Also famously in Epic Mickey, the camera was terrible. And I remember seeing uh, an interview... With Warren Spector, one of the main producers of the game, was like, I will go to my grave defending that camera because the way that the game was set up, the camera was going to be impossible anyways. Yeah. Because of how, like, you could get rid of walls, blah, 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 blah. But yeah, it's it's famously a frustrating camera at Epic Mickey. And it was in almost every review of that game was issues yeah. with that camera. And it sounds like they just kind of painted themselves into a quarter. <laughs> ah, get it? No, no pun intended. Get it? With how the mechanics were. So sometimes it's not necessarily, you know, I won't say negligent programming. It's it's not easy. We'll we'll talk about the Spyro camera because it wasn't great at Spyro either. There were some there were some issues with the Spyro I camera. I that... had some serious issues with the Spyro camera, yeah. especially. In the reignited, I believe you can kind of adjust the camera a little bit yourself. You can, you can, See, you can spin the camera around. In the original series, you, the only thing you can do is recenter it on you. You cannot do anything but center. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah. So anytime I'd go to the corners, there'd just be times like no center, center. God, I can't oh, see anything. No. <laughs> you saw this a lot with um, games that you would let you also switch to the first person or. Mm-hmm. especially f- flying segments of third-person games. Yeah. And I will say a lot of this is probably because of a phenomenon called gimbal lock, where when you look straight up, you essentially... The way that you describe headings like that, in airplanes, you've got, like, you know, pitch roll and yaw. Yeah. When you're pointed straight up, you kind of get into a singularity where <laughs> there's... a essentially an infinite number of ways to describe it, or I'm doing a poor job of 
saying this, but it's why a lot of times when you like look straight up and like you just start spinning around really quickly. Oh yeah. So there's a completely different set of equations that you have to use rather than the easy ones to get rid of this phenomenon. So that's probably why a lot of these early games wouldn't let you look straight up because they wanted to avoid that. That's fair. Which just made it harder to deal with. Yeah, so. that's fair. But also a pain in the butt. Well, yes. Also a huge pain in the butt. Especially, I just, the, all my memories of struggling with the camera, most of them come from these early platformers like Aspyro, like Jack and Daxter, like like Crash Bandicoot, you know? It, it was mm-hmm. definitely something in Crash Bandicoot. And that's why these are also the ones a lot of times those really tough levels, those notoriously tough levels have to do with not being able to get the camera just right. And you have to jump 30 yeah. degrees to the right without knowing what 30 degrees to the right is. And it's frustrating. Hmm. So not a classic trope this episode, but still something you see in a lot of games that's a pain in the butt. It's it's something that will get most gamers riled up when you talk about, oh, yeah. especially in certain games. Oh, yeah. You fight that camera and it's the worst. Yeah. Oh, real quick. Should also bring up things like uh, I feel like the Resident Evil games for a long time were really bad. With yes. The camera. Yes. I did so see you that would on the list. I forgot about killed all the time by enemies that you couldn't see because the camera angle was so bad because it's like a high over the shoulder so you can't yeah. like there's no way you could see ahead of you yeah and if i remember correctly at first the developers try for resident evil games they tried to be like it's part of the features of the game that you can't see your enemies and people are like nah, nah nah it's just because you messed, you messed up it's, <laughs> Don't it's pull a feature that. not a defect which, to be fair, with Resident Evil games, there were features that they created because to deal with limitations like the door animations and everything like that. Oh, yeah. This was not one of them. <laughs> this was an excuse. This was an excuse. Yeah, no, they were definitely notorious for bad cameras. Yeah. So we'll keep fighting these cameras day in and day out because we will get this mission done. And that's why... The camera is another enemy is this episode's video game trope of the day. Trope of the day! Piece of shit. <laughs> so it's time to talk about the game of the episode. Katie, what could you tell us about Spyro the Dragon for the PlayStation 1? So Spyro was developed by Insomniac Games in 1998. As you said, it came out for the PlayStation and like most of the games we've been reviewing thus far, it was well-received by the critics. Uh, it has an aggregated score of 85% on game rankings. In particular, critics loved the presentation and the graphics. They really thought this was ahead of its time uh, in mm-hmm. 1998. It really was very, very impressive. And they, they said it felt a lot like a film, actually, like animated film uh, when this game came out. They loved the level designs and the colors and how really beautiful a lot of it was at the time. And so that was really what attracted a lot of people to this game. (laughs) Some fun facts about the game. And this is something a lot of people know about, but I still really love this, is the fact that uh, Stuart Copeland, who is the former drummer of The Police, actually did the whole soundtrack for the original game. I did not know that until I think I watched the credits. Yeah. And I was like, Stuart Copeland... Yeah. Huh. That's kind of neat. They apparently gave him early builds of the game to play through huh. and, and inspire him to write the music. He claims he actually wrote each song specifically to a level, and then they changed it and moved his songs around. I'm sure that went well. <laughs> Which is hilarious. 
However, he still loves it. He said he loves the quality, loves what they did with the game. And he actually says it is some of his best music that he's ever done. (laughs) Which I love. But it was, the music was definitely something else that a lot of people brought up and really loved as it really grabbed people's attention. So it's kind of unsurprising they had such a well big name do their music, mm-hmm. even if it's not something you would expect in the video game industry. It happens every once in a while. Like, maybe not this early. Like, yeah. you get, like, Trent Reznor made the music for, like, Quake and, and Doom 3 and stuff yeah. like that. But it's it, it's That's definitely always fun when that happens. Yeah. So, yes, it is more common than you would think. It's still really cool. Yeah. Other interesting things during development, Spyro was originally going to be green. Hmm. But I mean, that makes sense. Lizard. Dragon, green. Yeah. Makes sense. However, they were afraid he'd blend with the grass too much, so they made him purple. Yes, fair point. Uh, Which is just is... funny because he's very iconic now as a purple Oh, dragon. yeah. Well, that was Sonic, right? They, they didn't want to make him... They wanted to make him green, too? I think everyone wanted to make everyone green, apparently. Yeah. Well, Sonic could almost make green means go, means fat. Like, I could almost yeah. see that with Sonic. But yeah, he was purple instead, so he stood out against the grass. They also did try to make him look a little bit different than your traditional dragon designs. I'm not really sure specifically how, but they said they tried. Um, I mean, they made him on all fours, which is not necessarily typical for... How else does a dragon walk? Well, I guess they're on all fours, but a lot of times you see them, especially in this game, all the other ones were like standing on their hind legs, right? That is so true. he was he was very much more quadrupedal looking. Yeah, and he's than very cartoony. Bipedal looking. Yeah. Another interesting thing about the dragons of the game: not only do they all stand on two feet, uh, there were no female adult dragons in the first game. You know, I never thought about that because basically they didn't have a large enough budget to hire a woman to be a voice actor for it and the technical hard way couldn't allow the differences between male and female dragons they said don't know what that means they couldn't (sighs) wait 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 they didn't have a large enough budget to hire a woman who usually gets paid 88 cents on the dollar to a man yeah yeah, but they they reused a lot of the voice actors from. I was I was gonna games. say One they woman. had they One had woman. like three voice actors doing all like seventy dragons. Yeah, I'm not Two defending their choice. Yeah, that's I, fair. I was about to ask, did any of the uh, video game developers have a wife they could use? And then I realized what I was asking. Ha! Ah. Wop wop. But yeah, so there is no female dragons in the original game. I, I'm kind of curious on the technical hardware needed to make a female dragon. <laughs> I did find a fun fact that, of course, this is the fun fact that I'm going to find. Uh, when they wanted to make the controls feel more fluid, mm-hmm. they hired a NASA engineer who specialized in flight controls to help program the mo- uh, movement controls and actually the camera controls to try to make everything feel more fluid and natural. And apparently it was really hard in the beginning, especially with the camera, because, you know, they would just lock it to Spyro. And I think you were talking about this sometimes. The high speed movements would snap the camera around so quickly that it would make a lot of the playtesters nauseous. Uh, Producer Kyle actually started feeling a bit of motion sickness while playing when he was playing. Not when he was watching me necessarily, but when he was, which is kind of funny. It was the opposite. When he was playing, he actually felt a bit of motion sickness. Uh, I think they were playing on screens uh, quite also large. Also, that explains why Spyro, on the flight level, moves like a space shuttle and not like an actual flying animal. 
That's neat. So I can blame NASA for bad cameras. Yeah, you can. <laughs> Apparently, initially, whenever Spyro jumped up and down, it would cause the camera to snap up and down as well. Oh. Which apparently, yeah, they're like, ah, oh, we're, we're just gonna, we're just gonna lock that there. <laughs> so don't do that. Yeah, relating back to our trope of the day. So to wrap up some of our fun facts, we have our speed run times. So for an any percent complete speed run, so that's just beat beating nasty Nork. Yeah. It was done in 37 minutes, 57 seconds hmm. about two months ago. A 120% completion, because that's the full game, 120%, <laughs> took one hour, 21 minutes, and 50 seconds. Uh, that was about a month ago, so still a very active community. And they were both of those records are held by Deoman? Deoman? Sure. I'm actually surprised that they're as close as they are. I yeah. figured, uh, I mean, I knew it would be quick, but I think it seemed the like fact you didn't have to do that much to do the bare minimum. Yeah, but to get from world to world, there were minimum requirements that didn't, they weren't insignificant, let's say. There were some serious yeah. things you did have to do to move from world to world. I, I really, what the thing I found most interesting about some of these speedruns is the fact that Almost all of the speedruns on record were done on PS2s. Now, it's still a PS1 game, but specifically listed as being completed on PS2s and a couple on PS1 emulators, almost none of the runs were done on original PS1s, which I find really in unusual. Normally, when we see yeah. these communities, they're done on the original hardware or on an emulator. Like, you you don't normally see them done on a different set of hardware and I wonder, I, I didn't have a chance to look into it, but I'm curious if somehow the better processor on the PS2 makes it run just a little bit smoother, despite it being a PS1 game. But at the, same at the same time, the whole point of the PS2 was it just had a PS1 in there, basically. Right. And and like I feel like there's just so many PS2s out there. I was going to say, is there, it just an accessibility? As opposed to the originals. I was going to say, yeah, is like, it an accessibility issue? There's just easier yeah. for people to have PS2s right now. But I, I did find that really interesting. It was one of the few games I've ever come across where it was not played on its original hardware, essentially. Yeah. I mean, you could still go into a GameStop and buy a used PlayStation 2 right now. So there's yeah. a ton of them out there. So it's, I, I did find that very interesting. I myself played it on the PS3, but I played the downloadable PS1 Classic from the PS3 store on our PS3. Right. So with all that said, I think it's time to look back and talk about the game before we had a chance to replay the game in modern era. So it's time for our Chiacarina of Time to bring us back to the past to talk about this game. Play that tune! Well, that wonderful music means we are back in the wonderful world of the past. So, Katie, what do you remember about Spyro the Dragon? Because it's not a lot for me. <laughs> so, we had a very similar situation for this game as we did to Parappa the Rapper, as we talked about in our Jammer Lammy uh, episode, that we mm. only played it on the PlayStation Magazine demo disc that we had. Yep. So we never had a full copy of this game. We had the demo disc, nope. which, to be fair, had, I think, the whole first area. Like, it was, like, multiple levels, but, like, it was multiple times you would go in, but it's, like, three different missions or something. Like, it wasn't the full game. It wasn't even the full area. It was just you could do multiple right. things and multiple missions all at once. So that is 
the first time we played this game and we replayed it at least i replayed it a lot <laughs> i remember playing it a lot not nearly as much as you did i'm pretty sure yeah i i feel like it's it's they got that like jack and daxter mario 64 kind of setup where there's like five MacGuffins in a given area and you have right. to do various things to get them yeah. um oh god what were they I could not remember. I was trying to so hard, and so, I don't so remember. So I know that like the currency are gems. You're I was saying magic sparkles. Gems. No, they're like they're specifically gems, and I I want to say you just like get there certain like tasks you have to do when you go. Oh, no, dragons! Mm-hmm. You're you're releasing dragons. I was you're I was gonna say dragons. was it dragons? So like, I can't believe I can remember that. But so and then your health meter, which I always thought was really really interesting, was your dragonfly sparks. He would change colors. That's right. Yeah, so he'd start as gold, and then he'd go to, like, green, I think, and then he'd like blue, blue, and then disappear, Mm -hmm. and so that was your health. That was how many hits you could take, and then you could refresh your health by eating butterflies. That's right. Well, he ate the butterflies, to be fair. Right. (laughs) Sparks did, which is Oh, I thought, yeah. No, no. Sparks, the (laughs) firefly, the, the, the dragonfly- yeah, Sparks the Dragonfly would eat the butterflies to regain health. It's a brutal world. <laughs> but yeah, you're because all the dragons get like petrified, and so Spyro is right. releasing them. That's what he's doing. So each level has a certain amount of dragons you have to release. And right. it, it is very similar to Jack and Daxter in that it has a hub world, like multiple hub worlds. So you'd go and you'd go from the hub world to a specific area, and in that specific right. area is where you release all of the different dragons. But I do remember playing it enough times that I'd have like exactly where every single gem was memorized, where like where it was located, and have it memorized. I knew how to get to everything. It was super smooth mm-hmm. in only like the first, very first level. Yeah, I was gonna say we'll <laughs> we'll see how much you remember of that. I'm I couldn't sure. even remember about Sparks. So I did, I know I've gone back in like high school. So that was, that was early days. That was like elementary, mm-hmm. middle school-ish. In high school, I know I went back and played at friends' houses. Like I know I've played further into the game. Oh, and as that's an adult, fair. I definitely have bought it. And I think I've briefly started it and then didn't get very far in it. So there's that. And it's funny because one of the, my favorite YouTube channels, um, one of the hosts, he loves this game. Hmm. Um, and so I did watch him stream a bit, but then I was like, I don't remember as much as I thought I did because I was like, I remember that. Mm. No, I don't remember any of this. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot. So and I, it didn't retain it either because it was just like it right. was like, oh, I was I to be fair. In if nobody important is listening, I I tend to watch streams while I'm working as back, like background noise. So like I have like uh, I don't always give them a hundred percent attention. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. It's but, I, I, the, I do the same thing. Yeah, it is a game I remember. Like, that first area, I do still remember. I know I likely remember good chunks of it. I don't know if I have it as memorized as I used to, especially as memorized as, like, Jack and Daxter. Right. Well, you, and what about yeah, you? You own Jack and Daxter. I remember almost none of this game. I have <laughs> a very, very vague sight picture of where you start in the demo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I could be completely wrong. Like, you, do you start, like, kind of on top of a cliff with a valley in front of you and, like, paths going off to the left and right? That sounds about right. I That's, I mean, it's a super right. generic way to put that, but, like, I think I've got that sight picture in my head. I have no idea if that's How correct. That yeah, I remember some of the abilities, I think. Yeah. You could, you could glide. You yes. couldn't fly, but you could glide. You could glide. And, dash and i'm assuming you could shoot fire 
Yes, because that's how at you release in... the dragons. Right. You blow fire at them. And yeah, you could dash and like headbutt because that's how right. you, you could also kill enemies with a headbutt. Mm-hmm. But I remember, because I would always want to get around as fast as possible and dash, but navigating while dashing was a little bit harder. So I remember running in circles a lot because he would start <laughs> turning and so I'd run in a lot uh, of circles. <laughs> that's funny. Because <laughs> well, what would end up happening, and I distinctly remember this, is you'd have a gem that's hiding in like the tall grass. Mm-hmm. And so I'd try to get it and I'd miss. And so I tried to do, so I would try to do like a tight circle to come around and get it. But oh, can't God. Really t- t- can't really turn. <laughs> so I'd do these like tight little circles until I finally like brushed close enough that I could grab it. Um, another reason I do remember keeping sparks around your health meter was important because he could grab gems for you. Ah. Uh... So when you didn't have him, it was a lot harder to get stuff. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I my. The friends that I played video games with didn't own this game, I'm fairly certain. So I never played it at friends' houses. We just played it on those those PlayStation magazine demos. Yeah, even then it's a it's a one player game, so it's not always a great friend game to play. Yeah. Um necessarily. I just remember it's super bright and colorful. It's a classic. I was gonna say, I remember the colors. Yeah. I remember it being pretty good looking for I for do games too. at the time. So I do wonder how it stands up because when you have those cartoony graphics, they almost tend to stand up better in the long term because they're not like modernizing doesn't necessarily make it way better that was the whole joke actually because they they tried to redo spyro and made him super like scaly and grr angry and people were pissed kind of like, uh, like the, the first iteration of of sonic in the movie right everyone's exactly. like oh no <laughs> exactly so like because like they did the whole skylander series and spyro was one of the characters and oh he yeah was, like, super like scaly and angry looking yeah. and all the original spyro fans were like what have you done? What have you done to my boy? <laughs> right. So I wonder if almost the original graphics stand up better because kind of like Jack and Daxter, we keep referring back. Yeah, that, of, that cartoony. The cartoony lives up. I do know we are both playing the remake, essentially the reignited version. So they right. will be modernized graphics. I feel like I bought this game months ago and then we're like, <laughs> and then so you've never we should probably anything. do an episode on this and then just shelved it until then. <laughs> Oops. That's We're like half my Steam now. catalog. Yay. Yay. But I do remember it, the pictures matching up with what I remember as much. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't like, oh, this looks so much better than I remember. It was like, no, that's that's like. That's what I remember. Right in line. That's what I remember. The Again, yeah. the, what stood out were the bright colors and how it just, it was a very bright world, you know, mm-hmm. and that's. It's always fun when you kind of encounter those kind of games where just they want you to ha- explore this beautiful, bright world. I do remember right. being said, yeah, because I'm now remembering in order to get the butterflies, you had to like sometimes run into like small animals, sheep in particular. So you'd like headbutt <sighs> the sheep and the. I forgot the sheep. I forgot the sheep. <laughs> you headbutt the sheep you or light the sheep, the sheep on fire. Oh my God. I forgot about the sheep. Yay, oh. Sheep. <laughs> Because that was like a thing for all his other games. It was just like Spyro terrifying, yeah, Spyro terrorizing sheep. <laughs> well, he is a dragon. Yeah. I... <laughs> yeah, I remember the music standing out as well. It's one of those games that, like, especially I, I feel like in platformers that are like, especially when they have hub worlds, music is so important because you start associating it with the area. And I just yeah. remember the music just being really, really good and standing out. So I'm looking forward to that. 
I, I just, it, it's a fun, light game. That's what I remember mm-hmm. of it. And I, I wanted to play the demo over and over again. And I don't know why I never ended up buying the game. I mean, buying games with our parents wasn't always a top priority, which is fair. And I yeah other ones instead. I, th- I think that's why. Um, But, and the demo, I just, it was one of the go-tos. It was one I would go back to over and over and over again. I just really had fun with it. I'm I'm looking forward to, to playing this game again. Or, I mean, really playing the first time again. I, it's, exactly. Yeah. Well, this wasn't Naughty Dog, right? It no. definitely wasn't. No, it wasn't. Because no, Naughty, Naughty Dog was, was uh, Crash. Jack and Daxter, right? I mean, Crash. I know it's Crash and Jack and Daxter, but... Um, no, this is um, Insomniac. Really? Mm-hmm. This is one of their Interesting. early ones. Interesting, yeah. Obviously. Boy, they've changed a lot, too. <laughs> yeah, God. right? Well, I mean, again, look at Naughty Dog. Then versus now. Last of Us. Dark. That's that's one of those how it started. How versus it's going how it's now. Going. <laughs> <laughs> how it started. Hi, I'm a weird bandicoot with a voodoo mask and we're all having fun. Like now. It's like spores have taken over everything and we're all <laughs> murdering each other. Humans are the worst enemy. <laughs> <laughs> So we're still going to give a rose score for this because we did play it, at least part of it. We'll just say we didn't play the whole game. So, Which, I to be fair, we didn't play a lot of games to their completion. <laughs> that is incredibly fair. So based on the limited amount that we played for this game, Katie, what is your rose-tinted score for Spyro the Dragon? I have to give it an eight and a half because I just, it was one of my go-tos. I went back over and over and over and I mm-hmm. just really wanted to play it over and over and over again. Um, and it, it stuck with me, the music, the colors, the gameplay, it really stuck with me. And, and so it has to be at least an eight and a half. What about you? I know you don't remember nearly as much, but what would you give it? I mean, I'm going to give it an eight for my Rose score just because I remember enjoying it. But it's like almost an eight slash incomplete. Yeah. Because I just do not remember a ton of this game. Like, I'm as we're talking about it, I'm remembering more and yeah. more, but... Uh, apparently I've just thrown it out of my mental filing cabinet because uh, I ran out of space. All right, so we got your rose-tinted score. What do you predict your final score will be on the replay through? I still really enjoy these types of games as an adult. I am better at them now, so I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. I really think it'll live up to a lot of the expectations. I think it just, it's something, it's, you don't have modern versions of it in a purist sense. We just don't have these kind of games anymore. So it's hard to say like, oh, well, we do it better now. We just don't do them anymore. And so I think it'll really live up in that sense in a lot of ways. What about you? What do you think you're going to give it from what you remember and what you've heard, honestly, at this point of other people? I think I'm going to go with an 8 out of 10. And almost for practically the exact same reason that you gave, just because... We always say it's like, oh, you know, compared to modern versions, it's like, we don't have platformers in that sense yeah. anymore. Like, literally what you just said. So I'm trying to figure out how to say it <laughs> differently. Stole it from you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think it'll fill a good niche that is, you know, there's kind of a dearth of those games. Yeah. So with that, it's time to head back to the present back to when we've actually played the game and hopefully it has lived up to our expectations or not we'll find out so let's play that chi ocarina of time i'm gonna go look for the demo disc
So that lovely music brings us back from the past, back to present day, when we in fact have already played Spyro once again. So Chris, tell me a little bit about Spyro. Well, as a lot of the games that we played, the plot really isn't too there. The basic framing device is there is <laughs> yeah, I like nasty... framing device, not plot. <laughs> yeah, yes, it's it's a framing device, not a plot. Because it's one animation of Nasty Nork watching a TV interview where they call Nasty Nork bad names, and he gets mad and turns all the dragons into stone. Crystals. So you have to crystals. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Except Spyro, for some reason. I don't know. He's so small, he didn't notice him. He was delivering trash to the sun, so he missed it. (laughs) (laughs) That's a Vector Man call-out for those of you who remember. Yes. And then they turned, uh, and then Nasty Nork turned uh, a whole lot of the gems that were in the Dragon Kingdom into other Norks. So your job is to free... The crystallized dragons and kill all of the norks to get your gems back. And you do that across six worlds? Yes. Oh no. I know. One, two, three, four, five, six, six, yes. yes. Six worlds. Six worlds. Uh, 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 uh. Follow up, and you are fighting Ganasty Ganork. And there are Ganorks that you're fighting. <laughs> they all start with a G. It's yes. a thing. Because some of the characters say Ganork. Yes. It's like they didn't give proper instructions to the voice actors. So they say Ganork. It's fine. And everything's fine. That's that's about odd message for <laughs> for what I what I saw in this game. So anyways, that's that's your plot. Run around the world, free dragons, get gems from norks or treasure chests stuff like that mm-hmm. uh there's also dragon eggs which is never really brought up i think it's brought up by one of the dragons in the yes. intro level that the they've thie- stolen that the thieves have stolen dragon eggs yes. that you need to rescue but they're only in the first like two or three worlds yeah up until that's a level requirement and then they don't have them anymore yeah so that weird. that involves chasing chasing little guys in circles to try to get eggs so f- to go from level to level, there was a, I don't think it was a dragon. It might have been a dragon. They just called him the balloonist. I don't know if he's the, a dragon. Yeah, the guy with the balloon. And you, you know, essentially was like, all right, to get to this area, you need so many gems. Or to get this next level, you need so many rescued dragons, stuff like that. So there was there was a requirement. And that's what you're talking about. Uh, earlier in the episode where some of these were actually not not easy and not you know it made you put some work into the previous levels to get through you had to get like a yeah a certain amount of dragons or a certain amount of gems or the a certain amount of eggs eggs yeah and so each level was i will call it a hub world there was a main world with probably four five sub levels in it that you could enter yeah, and right. there was also you know gems and dragons in that overworld, and then mm-hmm. there were gems and dragons and eggs in each level, and typically each main level realm. also had a realm. Realms. Yeah, there you go. So the realm there were six realms, and then four to five levels in each realm, and then one of those was typically a flying 
quote yes. unquote. And then level. one was a boss. And then one was a boss. Did you actually have to beat the bosses? So no, that's really interesting. You, the only yeah. boss you have to beat in the game is Nasty Nork at the very end. So I'm sure that plays into those speed runs that right. they don't play the bosses because those are wasted time in the sense you have to wait for certain things to happen in order to progress in those boss levels. And so they probably are skipped. Maybe. Most of them were pretty quick, I'll be honest. Yeah, but they also have normally less gems than the main world. Very true. So we should probably talk about the mechanics real quick. You're Spyro. You run around. You can charge. You could shoot fire. These are used to kill enemies. Certain enemies you need to charge. Certain enemies you need to hit with flame. Typically, the, the enemies that you have to charge into will have armor plate, which means they're immune to fire mm -hmm. for some reason, I guess. You can jump and glide, which is yes. a very, very important mechanic. They definitely designed a lot of the levels around that mechanic. Yes. And that was a very short gliding ability. Yeah. And then there are things like supercharges around and super that make you go really fast to be mm -hmm. able to open certain chests or to jump certain gaps. You need that supercharge. You also had power-ups of Spyro can get like super flame from fairies in certain levels. So he gets an extra powerful flame that can take out metal, which was kind of cool. It's like one level. There's two. Really? I don't even remember the second one. Yeah, I remember the, the one with the spiders. Yes, there's a second one in the Dreamweaver's world where you need to do it like eight times because there are like these these uh, huge sets of armor that you can only take out with the super flame. Huh. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. I know. I just, I guess I never found the, I don't remember. I clearly did not 120% this game. Uh, I didn't either, but we'll get to why. Because <laughs> that's going to be a thought I have. Yeah. But yeah, so those are the main mechanics of the game. Uh, you just, you run around and you charge and you fire people. You have a life system. So you do gather lives throughout the game, which drove Chris nuts, of course. We all know his thoughts yep. on that. <laughs> and the way you showed your own health was through your buddy Sparks. He is a dragonfly. And he would follow you around and actually gather gems for you if he was with you, which was really convenient. So he'd be gold at full health, then blue when you're down one hit, green when you're down two hits, and then disappear when you're down three hits. And so the next hit gets rid of you. So you have four hits until you die. And you can regen his health by flaming the feeder animals that are in the levels. Mm -hmm. The classic one is the sheep. That was what was in all the yes. ad campaigns and everything. And you flame them, and then a butterfly randomly comes out, and Sparks eats the butterfly. Which we remembered in the, I think, well, you remembered mm -hmm. in the Rose segment about about Sparks and yeah. the sheep. I forgot about the, the sheep. sheep. There's also, uh, like, it's like rabbits in one Yeah, every realm, realm has different feeder yeah. animals. So in one realm, they're chickens, which makes me yep. Like weird looking chickens, but chickens. They're rats in one of the levels. They, yeah, they, the feeder animal does change per realm. So Sparks can gather gems for you, which is really convenient. So uh, especially because when he, you don't have him, you it's a lot harder to get everything. You actually actively pick up everything, so it's a little bit more difficult. But a feature they added in the 2018 Spyro Reignited, which was a complete redo and re redo is not the word they call it a remaster but it it's was not a remaster it, it felt like a rehost rather than yeah. a remaster 
Yeah, the complete remaster, because they built it from the ground up, it feels like. They actually added an ability where Sparks can show you where you're missing gems, which seems really helpful when you're trying to search a whole level for those missing gems. Incredibly handy. Yeah, you like click on the R3 button, and he'll just point to wherever the treasure is closest to you. So that's super nice. Yeah, as I played the uh, original on the PS3, Chris played the reignited version on the Switch. Yes. And this definitely influenced gameplay. Oh, so much. And I did not realize quite how different it was. Because, again, they keep calling it a remaster. And this, it's not. They it's not like they rebuilt the game. It. This, they rebuilt no. this game. Some of yeah. the kind of... I pulled out a couple of differences between the original game and the reignited version. Mm-hmm. The first one, uh, just kind of fun one, is Spyro was originally voiced by Carlos Ala... Alas Rocky? Alizraki was originally voiced by Carlos Alizraki uh, in the first game, but actually after the very first game, he was replaced by Tom Kenny for all future games. Tom Kenny is SpongeBob. Yes. For all of and, those who aren't in the know. The, the other comedian that we can't say was the Taco Bell dog and yes. Rocco from Rocco's Modern Life so and big- was in Reno 911. Yeah, so big voice actors, but he actually was replaced after the original game because fans felt he was too cocky and bratty sounding in the original game. (laughs) So when they went back and did the Reignited series, they actually just had Tom Kenny do him for all three of the games. So we had the Spyro from two onward actually did Spyro the original and they Reignited as well. So he wasn't new to Spyro. He was just new to the original game. Right. There was was a bunch. It It was really funny because when I started playing... And they, you know, Spyro was talking. And I was like, is that, is that Tom Kenny? And I didn't have to look it up. I was like, it is Tom Kenny. Yeah. That's kind of neat. <laughs> and then, like, uh, Clancy Brown, who's known for Mr. Krabs. Mr. Krabs. Is, is a bunch of the dragons. There's there's a, a Very decent small amount of... They did re-record some of those lines for Reignited. They tried to keep into the spirit of what the original dragon said. So sometimes they would just extend what they were saying, kind of elaborate Mm -hmm. a little bit more. Another big difference that came in the Reignited series that's just uh, making things look a little bit better, besides obviously upgrading all of the graphics, was in the original game, the dragons were all very basic. There were like five basic models that they repeated throughout uh, the game when you saved them. In the new Reignited series, each dragon was unique. They had a personality. They had, like, clothing and little, like, extras with them. They gave them more personality to match whatever realm they're from. So I thought that was kind mm. of a neat little thing that they added to Reignited as well. I did make a note of one of the, the dragon models, because the swamp realm was, of course, they turned it into a bayou. Yes. And the one of the swamp dragons was, like like, the big mud turtle with like the weird looking snout and speaking in like right. a Cajun accent. And I think his name was Cletus. Yeah, there was a Cletus, so that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I like that they gave the dragons a little bit more personality in Reignited. Getting into some of the mechanics that change, uh, in the original Spyro couldn't charge jump very high. So when you did a, a charge and then a jump, he actually didn't jump as high in the original as he ends up doing in Reignited because they fixed that from later games. They took some of the mm-hmm. way it worked in later games and added it back to the original. And so that's a little bit simpler for Reignited. Uh, the other thing they did, or one of the other notable things they did was in the very end when you're battling Nasty Nork, you have to chase him around this area and try to catch up to him and flame him. 
in the mm-hmm. original, he throws fireballs at you. Yeah, we did notice that when you were fighting Nasty Nork. I was like, I don't remember that happening. They didn't. It was rude. Yeah. Uh, and also, I had a laugh that in Nasty Nork's world, there's one level where some of the Norks have guns. <laughs> like, right. legit guns. And in the original, they shoot, like, yellow bullets at you. So they're supposed to be, like, bullet bullets. Whereas mm-hmm. in Reignited, they changed it to purple goo. Yeah, fair enough. Because kids. I mean, again... They call it a remaster everywhere. I mean, it's called Reignited Trilogy, but it's not a remaster. Like, they rebuilt the game. I remember, like, maybe the second or time I was playing it, I saw a thing where it's like the Unreal Engine. I was like, the Unreal Engine? Yeah. Like, this clearly wasn't in the... I mean, I guess they could have used it just for the graphics. And I will say, the graphics are gorgeous. Yeah, it's so pretty in Reignited. Reignited. But, they, yeah, they changed... Essentially, they didn't change, they redid the gameplay to try to essentially redo what they did and apparently toys for bob did coordinate with insomniac games a lot which credit to them for doing that yeah and they i believe also did the crash nitro uh trilogy which is the remaking of the crash series they clearly want to lovingly remake these games they were not trying to make a quick buck on this this was something they put a lot of heart and thought and passion into when they were doing these games and you can really see it they they really yeah. cared uh, another kind of fun thing with the music they did update the music for the new game so you can actually go back and click and say play the classic music instead of the new music but they did right. update the music and they they made the music dynamic which i found was fascinating so i saw that yeah if spyro is charging the bass and percussion is added to increase tension and if spyro is standing <laughs> still the music will fade out and it becomes a lot less prominent like they try to match the gameplay which i think is fascinating as well and they actually got now i'm blanking on his name uh Stuart Copeland. Stuart, they actually, uh, apparently the new composer worked with Copeland a bit on it and was wanted his opinions on some of the new music. So he did That's actually fair. participate in the new music as well. So they, again, showing how much they really wanted to show that this is a loving recreation, not a quick money grab. Yeah. I really wish I had access to the original because, and this might be because you were just better than me at this game, but... I had a really hard time with some of the gliding stuff, and it seemed like it was so so unforgiving. Yeah, it was with very a lot of the gliding. To be fair, and again, I'm I'm blaming the hardware, which is a terrible excuse. But I had especially that last uh, nasty Nork level, which can we talk about how much of a ramp up that was based on? Oh yeah, yeah, compared to the other bosses, like. Before, it was like, yeah, chase a little bit, and then maybe flame or, or, or headbutt him. And then you get to Nasty Nork, and you got to do a running segment where you got to chase him around quickly mm-hmm. and flame him. The next area is a very tricky platforming where the platforms are pulling into the wall. The wall. So it's a very timed thing, which I, I was really close one time and then took a break because I didn't realize they were pulling into the wall. <laughs> Mistakes died. were made, in other words. Yeah. Well, and they had the the key thieves in that too, where yeah. you had to chase after the egg thieves to get a key, and every single time. 
follow up to that. Normally throughout the game, your save points would be the dragons. When you rescue a dragon, yeah. their pedestal becomes a save point. There were no save points in the final area, whereas in mm. every other boss, there was a save point right before the boss. So you didn't have to re-prep before the boss. You go straight into the boss battle. Uh, I think that was something you brought up quite a few times. You couldn't get into a rhythm with the boss because as soon as you died, you had to start all over from the very beginning of the level, which wasn't long, but was frustrating. And one thing that we figured out the remastered version, which is so funny for a new game. I mean, new, newer. The load times were not long, but they weren't short either. Like, and the caveat there, and we mentioned it, Chris played this on the Switch. Kyle just and on I, the Switch, yeah. Just on the Switch. Kyle and I went back and played a little bit of the Reignited on our PS5, and the mm. load times weren't nearly as long as yours were. Ugh, that's so annoying. Oh, wait, no. No, they were as bad. I thought they weren't as bad. I no, thought it was like forty seconds to change a level, and it was like forty-five on the switch. I thought it was like twenty seconds, and then no, no, no. versus like forty. It was. It was still terrible. Okay, I take that back. Apparently, I misunderstood. It wasn't about the <laughs> switch. The reignited did have significantly longer load times than Which the is original did. Incredibly frustrating, uh, especially not just on the final boss, but areas where it's very, very precise platforming. And again, it completely knocks you out of a rhythm because it's not like, not like even apparently, I didn't even realize that until I watched your VOD, you can't get right back into it. Like in, in Jack 2 or Jack and Daxter, those games that we praised for being able to get right back in. Yeah. It made it really hard to play this game at times, especially yeah. with the live system where when you died, it would pull you all the way back out of that level and give you a huge load time and respawn everything. Yeah. And and that is that is a interesting frustration you wouldn't expect for a remaster uh, yeah. versus a original game because I I didn't really experience nearly that kind of frustration when it came to load times. One thing I did f get really frustrated about uh, we. I'm going to caveat this. We often critique a lot of games, and that's what we end up talking about a lot is the things that we dislike. We we sometimes mm -hmm. skim over what we do really like because we really like a lot of these games. You could tell from our yeah. scores at the end. Oh, yeah, So yeah. please, everyone, don't think that this is us <laughs> hating on these games. These are just what stand out to us. For me, I got really frustrated. We talk about those save points, and they are auto saves of if you die, you automatically go back to whatever dragon you last right. stepped on. In my brain, I wasn't thinking, and I was playing a chunk offline, wasn't streaming it, but I played a good three hours. I went through pretty much all of the Beastmaster's realm and 100%ed it, with the exception of treetops, because it's awful. Hmm. And I go through, I, I had the save points, I don't even think about it, I turn off the system, and I turn it on later that evening to keep playing, and it's all gone. It is a oh, no. save, more like a memo save of it remembers yeah. it while the system is on, but as soon as you turn the system off, I didn't do the hard save because I didn't mm -hmm. think about it, which you also do at those dragon pedestals. And that's why right. I didn't think about it is because you have to consciously ask them to save there. And I just yeah. thought that was, oh, I just want a harder save here. No, you need to hard save. And so I lost about three hours of, of gameplay. That's rough. And it's brutal. So we've gone back, actually, and completed a lot of that since. Mm -hmm. But it, it kind of broke my soul for a little bit. That, yeah, that sucks. Well, and you were just playing Jack 3 a bunch, too. Yes, and which auto-saves save everywhere. System, their auto-save system is actually an auto-save. Yeah. Like, you can manually save, but... Yeah, and in the Reignited, it's, you know, more similar to the, the Jack, where you 
run over the thing and it just auto saves and you're fine. You can yeah. manually save, but you don't have to do it at a dragon platform or yeah, anything like that. It was brutal and I I I'd hurt my soul a little bit especially cuz I had done like some of like sorry, because I had done all of the flying levels at that point and I'm mm. bad at flying levels as no one is shocked <laughs> to hear. So having to go back and redo those, I still haven't 100% completed those again because I'm just like, I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> I... In my brain, I didn't do it. So I'm very close. I uh, My game right now is at about 97%. I'm very close oh, to nice. Um, And I will try to do that, and then I can do that final level and get to that 120%. But I actually did really enjoy it. If it's not clear, like, I like 100% levels. I really enjoyed mm. playing a lot of the game. I love platforming despite me not always being great at it. I love games like this. I love being able to jump around and fly around. And it is such a beautiful, colorful world. And each yeah. one really did have these unique qualities that made each oh, world yeah. stand all, out, which was great. All the realms were very, very distinct in a very fun way. Yeah, having the different music and the different enemies in every single... There was unique enemies in almost every single realm, which is... Like, yeah. there were some common ones, yes, but almost every realm had at least one or two unique enemies, which was really clever as well. Producer Lisa is pointing out that I should bring up the load times again, because I feel like I... No, no, no. Glossed you over. Load times. You need to talk <laughs> about how much you complained about the load times while you played. Yes. It's... <laughs> Uh, yeah, should expand more that they were long, and I say that they were flow breaking. It was so frustrating. Like Chris got rolling. It made me want to stop playing the game multiple times because it broke the flow so much. And the way that the platforming was set up, it was so unforgiving. And to have to make a jump, especially the the last boss was kind of a microcosm of that whole thing. Where you had to be so precise, but then when you messed it up, you can you can mess up something for a quarter second, and then all of a sudden you've got to wait 30 to 40 seconds and start the level over again and get back to that point. I got so mad and so annoyed at it that, that producer Lisa literally had to tell me to stop talking about load times on stream. Yeah. Because that was 95% of what I was complaining about. It was... Really, really, really frustrating. And it's really unfortunate that that's a, a product of the, the remaster yeah. and not the original because it completely, like, I was getting ready to knock off, like, two and a half points from what I thought of the game just because of that. Yeah. It's still going to affect my score, but knowing that that's not there. It's not in the, in the original, original. It's just a reignited thing. Yeah. Yeah, that is really interesting. I, again, I think the weirdest thing about that final level, the final boss, not even the final level because you there's another level you access to get the 120%. Yeah. But that final it was so, as you kind of already said, it was so different than every other level and every other boss that we had faced throughout this game. Every other mm -hmm. boss was, like you said, it was a rule of three boss. So you'd hit them, yeah. chase after them, but not really chase. They'd just jump to a different platform and you'd meet them at the next platform and you'd hit them again. Then you'd, you know, do it a third time. Nasty Nork, you had to chase like one of the egg thieves or the key thieves. So you had to literally like cut corners and try to catch up to him. You could only get to him when he's standing on this one particular platform. So if you just missed him there, mm -hmm. tough luck, you have to do another round. And then you go straight into a platforming thing. There's no saves, nothing. And you jump from platform to platform, hit him a second time, and then that's it. That's the game. You, you managed to get through the platforming section on your first try. So kudos to you. I was so happy about that. Kyle was like, <laughs> I was guessing you were going to do that the whole time. He's like, just because 
the timing of the way it was looking for mine and stuff like that. And I don't know if it's yeah. because I could create a little bit more of a rhythm than you. It still wasn't perfect because I did have to restart the level every time I died. But mm -hmm. I think it did help that I wasn't waiting in those loading times. And I think the frustration was getting to you and making you miss jump at times as well because you were trying yeah. to rush things because you were stressing yourself up because you didn't yeah. want to reload. <laughs> that is, it is an absolute disservice to the game, which seems like such a weird thing to say that loading times would make that. But like, Based on the the way the game should be played, it's it's not good. It it significantly, in my opinion, hampers your, yeah. the gameplay. One thing that really angered me about the original was there are basically three jumps in particular throughout the game that I find are unfair. So uh, we kind of mentioned the supercharge. There's ramps that basically have these arrows on it. You charge down them. You go extra fast. They make you go fly further if you go through the air and be able to run into objects that normally you can't destroy and be able to destroy them. Right. These jumps are found in multiple realms. In two of the realms, in two worlds in particular, Treetops being one of them. Treetops is listed as one of the hardest levels in the game. You have to do these super jumps quite a few times. Yeah. The the super jumps were fine. They could be a little bit hard to navigate, but I understood them. What bothered me was when you had to use a super jump to get to another super jump to get to another area to like you had to do three or four really complex jumps in a row to get to certain areas. The reason this bothers me is in every other part of this game, things are pretty well telegraphed. You need to go yeah. this way. Literally, there's parts where fairies are holding arrows and being like, go this yeah. way. And I appreciate that. That is what you came to expect of this game, is it to telegraph generally things you need to do. They didn't hide things most right. of the time. For these particular jumps, so treetops in general, there are 85 gems and a dragon that you cannot get to unless you do three different super jumps in a row where some of them are turn hard right turn, hard left turn to get from jump to jump to jump. Yeah. And then you can, if you land all four of those jumps, you can then get to this one platform that has 85 gems and yeah. a dragon. That is I think that so one bothered unfair. me because, yeah, it wasn't like a straight on sequence. Like you yeah. could kind of get it, but to get to the one thing, uh, the one platform with the dragon on it, you practically had to turn around. Yes. In mid jump. And it's like, that's not, that's not. You natural. would never just naturally <laughs> see that path. And that is the thing. Yeah. If I feel like I would have had no choice as a kid and I would have had to get a guide or have someone who knew about it already who most likely got it from a guide, yeah. that doesn't feel fun to me. Yeah. I literally had to have producer Kyle look up and be like, how do I do this? And he showed me the video and I was like, I would never in a million years no. have thought to do these jumps. I don't no. like that. In games where you expect those kind of puzzles, you start looking in weird places you don't expect. This game yeah. telegraphed every little thing. Again, there were literal arrows at times telling you where <laughs> to go. One of my notes was that the glide mechanic was built into the level of design so much where it's just like you're up high. You go here to get up high over here and then glide over here. And sometimes that actually got a little bit frustrating because to go around to get to that high area because they would make it you can't like jump back up yep. easily. You would have to cycle through two-thirds of the level yep. to get back to that high spot. Or die. And yeah, or die, yeah. or And and the, the boost jump thing was just so so different. It, yeah. Yeah, doesn't it, seem... 
it got really difficult. Those were the times that I really struggled. Those were the levels I didn't 100% on my initial go like I would have wanted to because I just couldn't. I just yeah. couldn't get it done. And I was spending, I would literally spend 20, 25 minutes, multiple game overs, trying to get this one particular jump and I wasn't getting it. And that is mm-hmm. so ridiculously frustrating. And again, I just don't expect it from a game like this. Yeah. That really surprised me. And that really stuck out to me of like, where did this come from? <laughs> yeah. And it's those moments that I was getting angry at the game because everything else was so smooth. And again, you had arrows pointing you where to go. Sometimes you had things to do and things were really clear and straightforward. And then suddenly just having a sharp right turn that you never would have guessed is just weird. And that happened in like two or three levels. The other thing, of course, we talked about it in our trope of the day, but the camera. Yeah. Good Lord, the camera sometimes was painful. <laughs> so it didn't help as well as I, the very first restart play of this game I started on reignited because mm-hmm. I just was like let, I have it for PS5 already and I hadn't played it yet let me play a little bit and then someone actually one of our watchers on stream was like did you know you can still download this for the PS3 and get the PS1 version I was like I didn't know that let me do that so I switched in reignited you can still kind of control the camera like you can spin it around Spyro get a good look oh you could you could absolutely spin it around yeah you can't do that in the original <laughs> I you did not realize that control. until you brought it up earlier. Yeah, that's and, terrible. Oh, God. There were so many times where I'm like, camera, camera, Spyro, yeah. Spyro. Spy-. So I'd have to position Spyro to be looking exactly where I want him to look, hit yeah. the triangle button, which is his first person perspective, then pull it back out and that auto centers. And that would be how I'd have to face things sometimes. It was just. It's ugh. not good. That's, again, going to the flow breaking yes. of the game. That's. Especially, I think the reason the flow breaking stands out so much in this game is because it flows so well most of the time. Yeah. It's so easy to go through these levels and just find everything you need to do by just jumping from the next spot to the next spot to the next spot. And it just feels so natural and it makes sense on where you're going. And then to suddenly not have anything else is just like, what? Yeah. So overall, though, I think we have discussed a lot of different things. Chris... What is your final score for the game, knowing you play the reignited version? I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Knowing, knowing that the loading problem didn't exist in the original. Though I had the better camera, so again, I wish I had played both of them. But 8 <laughs> out of 10, honestly, if, I, if the loading times like that existed in the original, it would have been a 6.5 or a 7 out of 10. I'll give it an 8. The gameplay was pretty good. The colors looked good. The music was good. I did get bored. Like, the lack of plot and continuity, like, it was like, why am I playing this game? There's not really a good reminder every once in a while. A dragon will say something for two seconds, be like, get that Nork! Like, okay. You're gonna stick with an eight? I don't care. You're gonna stick with an eight? No, I'm gonna drop it to a seven and a half. Because I had forgotten how much I didn't care about the plot. And I so did not want to keep playing a couple times. So but angry. when I was playing, it was pretty good. When I was actually playing the game, not waiting to start the game or telling myself that I should play the game. Okay, it was a very so generous you, seven and a half. You, you, uh, you had predicted an eight, so not far off from your prediction. Eh, not far off. What about you? What is your final score? I think you had a slightly better experience with this game than I did. I think I did. I, I'm going to give it an eight and a half. 
I really liked the game. I love these kind of games. These fall right into my favorite style of games. And mm-hmm. while I see what you mean about the plot, I think of some of the other games I love, like Mario 64, where there's really no plot except for Save the Princess, and yet you jump into random uh, worlds and you do it. These are games I just love playing. I love the worlds that they build. I love how beautiful they are. And 90% of the time, Spyro was super smooth. It felt super like intuitive of where to go, what to do. The humor was really cute and funny at times. It was a little yeah. cheesy at others. But I just genuinely just... It was a feel-good game for me. That's a game that I can just go in and hop into a world and run around a world for a little bit, and I have some fun with that. So I really enjoyed it. I'm I'm giving it an eight and a half. I know why you say what you say, but I I personally just really liked it. it. I think more at the end of the day, I think it is more of my style of game anyway than it is a your style game. That's true. I think you've got a lot more nostalgia for this game too, which that I know these final scores helps. are not supposed to take that into account but they always do we're not perfect i think it does like especially on your on the playthrough if nothing else like like oh yeah i remember playing this it's like i sort of remember playing this but not a lot so yeah that definitely helps that's fair so final verdict is i definitely say if you have a chance to play the original again it is while the PlayStation 3 store still exists, who knows how long that lasts, it is still available if you have a PS3 yeah. to get the original game. If not, Reignited series, despite the load times, is still really good, and it's a great way of playing this game if you've never had a chance to play this game. I will say the original from the VODs that I've seen, the graphics, I mean, they're cheesy and a product of their time, but they're not super stale. Like, they've held up no. decently well. Yeah, the, the comic looks definitely hold up a lot better than the quote-unquote yeah. realistic look. So it definitely yeah. held up a lot better. Uh, either series, I think, if you have a chance to play, especially if I think the Reignited series is really going to appeal to people who did love the original series, and that's going to be, they're going to just love the Reignited series. Uh, if you haven't played either, it's good, to, fun to try out on either system. Yeah. I think we really enjoyed it. So check out Spyro if you have the chance. I really liked it. Chris almost killed it a couple of times, but at the end of the day, he survived. <laughs> I almost, I, I didn't break the controller. I wanted to break the controller multiple times doing the Nasty Nork boss. Doing the Nasty Nork, yes. Uh, so, on that note of things. On. That, on that note of things that make us angry, uh, it's probably going to happen again in our next game, because our next game is Final Fantasy Five. Five. We are on to our big Final Fantasy episodes every five episodes. I say it's going to make us angry because I'm going to end up getting frustrated at some boss or some grinding or something. I guarantee it's going to happen. I was going to say, I don't remember getting, well, no, Final Fantasy 1 I got frustrated at. And 2. So Final Fantasy, it's coming out in a month. I know we extended our period where we're doing an episode a month, a little bit longer than we planned. But for the Final Fantasy games, we really want to make sure we're giving them the due time, that we give them enough attention. I feel like we rushed the last couple, so we really want to make sure 5 has a good amount of time to play it and enjoy it. So join us on our streams. We'll be streaming this uh, on and off. We'll be having our regular coast-to-coast co-ops on Tuesdays still. So we'll have some other fun games popping up there. I'm really excited. Something I should have mentioned in the opening, the N64 games are finally coming to the Switch in the console. The classic console games are coming to Switch. Some of them have online play. Oh, wow. So we might not be able to do... uh, a combo co-op where we have all four of us playing but we might be able to play games like mario kart 64 on the internet and i'm really (laughs) excited for that 
You can find us on Twitch at GWGW Show. You can find us on pretty much all social media at GWGW Show. Join us on any of those platforms. Talk to us. We like talking to you people. You people. Give us feedback. Hang out, chat. Tell us what you like, what you don't like. We take suggestions. We're always looking for suggestions for games to play because sometimes even we've forgotten that we've played games. Also so true. come hang out. It's generally a good time. We have fun. We hope you guys have fun. Big thanks to you guys. Again, we couldn't do it without you. We wouldn't be doing this without you guys. Thank you to our producers who are always backing us up, keeping us in line a lot of times, and uh, helping us through some of the more difficult parts of the gameplay. We really appreciate <laughs> you all. We'll uh, see you guys next episodes for some Final Fantasy V. So say goodbye, Chris. Goodbye, Chris. Bye, everyone. Gimbal lock? Yeah. Because <laughs> you're thinking uh, Gimli, 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 son of Gloin? <laughs> Gimli lock? <laughs>